Welcome to the Weekend Must Watch on Intercut, the weekly show going through the movies, TV, and entertainment that people just can't cut away from. Megan scaring people into the theaters way more than I was expecting because they ended up being the new gentle Megan. So Blumhouse is shooting for the moon. Also at home, we had Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, coming in at the last minute, scoring a lot of top tens for a lot of people right at the end of the year. As always, I'm your co-host Arturo Surita, and joining me to do a little natu natu in the pit, it's Zachary Chevy. Oh, jealous of all those people in the Chinese theater who get to like get up and get together crazy? and celebrate celebrate RRR in that big of a way. I'm glad that it's the the fever is spreading as we get into award season and there's more people catching up with RRR now than it seems like at any point. Yeah. I saw you rewatch it too. Yeah, I had to show my my guests on New Year's what the best movie of last year was, even if I didn't name it my favorite movie of uh, 2022. But it's bleeding into it, right? (laughs) It started that (laughs) thing at 9 o'clock, probably went all the way into the new year. It's been crazy (laughs) with RRR because I feel like there's even been people who like will tweet about a movie that they have out. But mention RRR because that's what's trending out of nowhere right at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. I'm excited for it, dude. I, I, I think it's, uh, it's going to be an interesting awards run that we have coming up. Obviously, the Oscars are around the corner. There's a thing called the Globes that are around the corner. But that's all over there. For this week in movies, we had what is possibly one of the biggest movie weeks in January, which I, I was really excited for. Uh, uh, shout out. Avatar beating another record. I don't want to become the Avatar podcast, but it is. What is it now? Uh, it surpassed Jurassic. I mm-hmm. think it's in the top seven, if I'm not mistaken. It's about to clear the two. We were over under with that. I- I'm happy that yeah. he finally made it with it. We we were definitely you think too it's got conservative the in it. I, I mean, it seems like it's just gonna keep going at this pace, and I, I you know, I don't know if that means that it's going to like crack that top three of two James Cameron films in Avengers Endgame, but it certainly is going to, like, threaten to. Yeah. Definitely uh, better than I thought it was going to be. Easily. Uh, I like how cool he was. He was just like, oh, I guess I got to make the other ones. But besides (laughs) Avatar sequels, there are actually other movies that are playing uh, in theaters, at home, on VOD, all the good stuff that we have out there. Uh, And I figured we start with the one that I think has been on everybody's mind. Ever since she danced her way into our hearts, Megan went crazy, bro. I've had this yeah. bit. It, it is so ironic that it came out on January 6th because the Megan fans stormed the cineplexes everywhere. <laughs> the newest movie from Blumhouse, which I didn't know. They pitched this to Warner Bros. And Warner Bros. said, now nah, we already have Annabelle. WB continuing in 2023, I guess it's a 2022 decision or whenever it was, to make the worst decisions possible. But Zach, uh, does Megan live up to the hype or is it just another meme-worthy movie? I mean, it's it's a little bit of both, I think, because I don't think this movie is very good, but it is in its own way kind of great. Uh, They did a really interesting thing and they've combined two really popular subgenres. There's the evil AI 
subgenre of like smart homes and uh, advanced tech and 2001's Hal and stuff like that. And then there's also yes. the horror subgenre of like the creepy doll, your Annabelles and your Chuckies and what have you. And kind of fusing them together, you get to play on two really like familiar but fun um, campy horror elements, and they're definitely leaning into the camp. It has the has the structure of a horror film, but the the rewards are all based on the comedy, at least for me, because it's not exactly the most like innovatively scary horror film. I don't think it nah. has a whole lot to say about like our reliance on tech. Like, yeah, there it, there's certainly like a commentary there on like motherhood and being a parent and the implementation of technology to take away some of the babysitting tasks. But like, really it's just an excuse to have a weird (laughs) doll singing Sia as a lullaby to a little girl. And if that's what you're in it for, it certainly delivers. Yeah. I like the story. I think that they had an element to it that I think speaks to a lot of people today because of the technology that Mm -hmm. we have. Um, I am a person who wants the rated R cut. I felt that the tone for this was all over the place, in my opinion. And you can tell when you have Ronnie Chang in this movie and the people who he's talking to when they cut to their reactions, if they're laughing, then chances are he was probably saying a lot of funny things. Right. Uh, They were talking about deaths that uh, were cut from this, that were trimmed down. Uh, There was one involving a dog, which I think was the best decision they possibly could have made. But it's interesting to know that Blumhouse, the the house of Blum that lets directors make whatever they want to. The moment Megan went viral with this uh, hallway thing, uh, it was clear that they recut it to fit something, you know, that was going to go viral with it. And, hey, mm-hmm. it has greenlit sequels already, according to the director. I don't know if you heard. He went to Patreon and kind of, like, leaked to his patrons that he was already writing the sequel. Um, oh, I heard there's an unrated cut that's on the horizon, which I think would be interesting to see. Cool. Uh, but in terms of the new Blumhouse model, because he was one of the first to pick it, if this movie is in theaters in two weeks, is it still worth catching in theaters amongst all the hype? I mean, I do think my viewing of it was extremely benefited by having a theater full of other people reacting and laughing and just sort of like the the sort of viral laughter where a little pocket of the theater starts laughing at something and then ultimately everybody then it echoes out to everybody like that's the joy of this movie is seeing it in a crowd and seeing all the ridiculous nature of it. If it is in a smaller, in a a sleepier screening an emptier room, I could see it landing with a little bit more of a thud. I could see it sort of being, uh, you see the desperation of it more. And I I know some people who didn't have as fun of a time with it. And I wonder if they maybe just weren't seeing it screening in the right room. Yeah. So maybe that, you know, I don't know how this movie will play at home. It certainly will play well in memes and in gifs, and maybe that's all all it needs really to sustain an interest in a sequel. But there, there's certainly a lot of interest in there in it right now. Thirty million dollars in the opening weekend, one of the uh, biggest January releases we've had. The movies are back. They're back. I the agree movies. with you. If you're not going to a movie. If you're not going to a movie theater. Uh, where the people like clap at the AMC ad at the beginning, you're probably going to have a different experience. But overall, to me, I think it's still worth the junior price. I like just barely because uh, of the virality of it. If you have a good crowd with it, uh, but I am waiting for that. Waiting for that unrated cut. Uh, big shouts out to two people here that are part of this movie: Violet McGraw. We've mentioned mm-hmm. her in the past because she's always the younger version of someone. Be it from yeah. uh, the Haunting of Hill House to obviously in Black Widow, she's Helena's 
younger part. So that that's already mm. bang for her in her future. Do you know who her sister is? McGraw. I don't know. First of all, I thought she was Tim McGraw's daughter. It's not Tim McGraw's daughter. Uh, her sister, <laughs> if I get it correctly over here, Madeline McGraw, is in Black Phone. She had a killer year last year, and it turns out that both oh, okay. sisters are just powerhouses. So they've been killing it completely. Uh, and then in terms of what a lot of people were really surprised to see, uh, no one mentioned her during uh, the whole run for, what was it, Malignant. But Akila Cooper came in, and I was listening to interviews of her throughout the weekend. She is one badass writer, bro. Uh, she's worked on mm-hmm. Hellfest. She's did Malignant. Everyone's been talking about her this weekend because now that she's got yeah. two original pockets under her belt, she has become the next hot writer. Uh, and I don't know if you know this. Malignant was still under Warner Bros. But did you hear that they've combined uh, Atomic Monster Studios, which is James Wan's company, with yeah. Blumhouse? What yeah, do you think about no, that? I heard about that partnership. I mean, it, it feels like it, that's basically the place to go for any kind of mainstream horror, or not even just mainstream, any kind of horror now. It, it, they're sort of Bumhouse. the mega corporation of it, unless you're talking about those like elevated A24 jams. But if we're talking about like movies that people go to the theater to see, that's almost yeah. exclusively like James Wan and Blumhouse stuff, right? Yes, 100%. Shout out to Keila. I love what you said about the elevated horror. She had this quote this past weekend about it was just all elevated horror and I'm back to bring fun horror. So shout out to that. And in terms of James Wan, for Blumhouse, it is a steal. Wan made the Saw series. And now that's making money for other people. He's like, all right, then mm-hmm. let me do Insidious. And then he did Conjuring. And they, like every single thing this man touches, there is no reason yeah. why he's still getting no's. So I, I'm rooting for their partnership. Hopefully it comes up with uh, a lot of really good sequels. I've heard yeah. of spinoffs. They want to make a Doll Avengers. So we'll see what the future holds for it. But in the meantime, Megan, out in theaters, uh, let us know your theories on what the sequel is going to be called for Megan. Did you like it more as a horror or as a comedy? Or did do you think it worked both as both um i don't really call it a satire but there is the director had made a previous movie called housebound and uh mm-hmm. he does this thing where he he calls it i like to find the humor in the horror so it's not mm-hmm. fully a comedy and it's not fully a horror i'm more on yeah. the comedy side it's the funny yeah. moments of what she represents that was better it, it, this isn't scary it's not a scary movie it's not that's so the thing it didn't scare me but i, I was entertained zach you know what did scare me and this is just a little mm. aside right here. I was telling Zach, if you saw this in the theater, they decided to up the DB on this thing. This is a movie for next week, so we'll save it. But there's probably nothing scarier than the trailer to this movie right here. So if, <laughs> if we're talking the difference between scary and a Blumhouse viral movie, Skinamore Ring sounds Skinamore Ring feels like the cursed video in a move in a movie that people watch and die in seven days. Um, it's online. I highly recommend not downloading it because I think it will put a curse on your computer. But moving on <laughs> to the complete opposite of all of this horror, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. Literally a movie that came out what right at the end of the year at Christmas. Uh, a lot of people were anticipating it because it looked like they were doing a different art style. But it's been 10 years since the last Puss in Boots movie. It's been almost damn near a decade since the last Shrek movie as well. Yeah. This movie came out and people who do nothing but complain about movies even loved it it moved the grinches of the cinematic world and in two weeks it's out on vod um i appreciate that because it costs way less to purchase this movie so i could play it for yeah. my family uh than buying everybody tickets and it is a blast zach uh i don't know how you felt about this one but i'm obviously a really big shrek fan 
I mm-hmm. love Antonio Banderas, obviously. So him coming in to do Puss in Boots again, I thought was really great. And I thought they were able to elevate it to another level. Yeah, I mean, I think I grew tired of the Shrek franchise around uh, the last couple of them. Like, I, I love the, the first couple of Shreks. That's the thing. The third, the third is definitely a step down, and the fourth is another step down. Um, but yeah. Piss and Boots is, like, a great character. I, I think he's just a really fun creation of, like, you know, the, the mixture of the, the sweetness and this cuteness with this, like, uh, you know, energetic and, like, daring, violent energy. It's, it's a very fun idea, and they're able to do a lot with it. It just feels like a very like a gift that keeps on giving. I do mm-hmm. remember not loving the Puss in Boots spin-off uh that came out 11 years ago, but this one is yeah. really delightful. This one's really fun and sweet and just thought felt, I don't know. I I I'm su- they're packaging a movie about accepting the inevitability of death into a kids film, which is yeah. really cool and and out there and I think it's just a fill full of these like little delightful asides, all these uh, jokes that maybe it's just having a break from the Shrek universe, or maybe it is that the jokes are just a little bit more refined this time around. But like the mm-hmm. fairy tale reference stuff all worked for me uh, this go around. It, it's one of those movies where you're sitting there and you, you hear a voice and it's like, oh, Olivia Coleman. Oh, Ray Winston. Right. Oh, Florence Pugh. Yeah. And and I'm, I was just happy Pat. to hear so many people. John Mulaney getting a, a part in this, too. Uh, Pretty decent. I think it just, like, made me laugh more than I expected it to. There's lots of little things that they sneak in there that are definitely a little more adult skewing. I think the animation style, like, worked really well and didn't feel like too much of a departure from the more realistic Shrek style. Like, it still kind of feels the same. It's just more in the action-y moments that you get some of that uh, visual flair and the uh, almost, like, Spider-Verse-influenced yeah. color splotches. But I-, I thought this one was really good. It surprised me. What did you think about it? Oh, I thought it was fantastic. Uh, I'm going to raise what you said about the way it talks about death. I love yeah. the way it talked about legacy. With all of the mm. movies that we had last year, having a movie where this is a cat who is so egotistical, as they say in the movie, he didn't just stand up his own wedding. The other person didn't show up because he knew that it was only going to be about him. And I like how they were able to break down the idea that this ego that he has uh, it, in a year where we have Top Gun Maverick, in a year where we have mm-hmm. a lot of Marvel movies that are, you know, it's all about the legacy and what they're able to continue for someone to just be like, it's not about that. It, this had more of an Irish uh, Banshees element here where you realize it's more about the people around him. And I like how they have that for every single character. You had mentioned Florence Pugh, who comes in with uh, a mix on the story of uh, Goldilocks and the Three Bears, who are hunting for this last wish, right? Looking for a family as they are one. Uh, I, mm-hmm. I like the voice work that was done with everybody else, especially um Gian, I think is his name. Yeah, Harvey Gian. Harvey Gian, my boy from What Do We Do in the Shadows. Talk about him. He yeah. absolutely killed it in voice acting. This is his first. He's so he good. needs more. Yeah. He's incredible. I mean, he, he's just got this like really sweet energy to him that I think works very well in the way that he's cast here. I, I don't know. I think he's a delightful addition and, and just delightful generally. Yeah, he's fantastic. But I'm going to keep it a buck with you, dude. Is it the best animated movie of the year? Ooh, that's a good question. This was a really good year for animated movies. We just got another big contender for the Oscar in Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio at the end of the year for Netflix. Uh, I, I think really like that both, one. 
I think we're both extremely big fans of Marcel the Shell with shoes on, which maybe you don't consider to be animated, but at least the Academy do. does. So uh, I don't know. It's 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 a tough race out there. I, I also really like the Sea Beast from earlier this year or last year, I should underrated. say, on Netflix. Yeah, yes. one of the underrated picks from this year. I personally would still go Marcel above Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. But what mm. about you? Dude, Marcel, Pinocchio, Puss in Boots. We got another one we're about to cover in a little bit. Yeah. I would take all of those. We usually have a year where it's like the Pixar movie's going to win, the Disney movie's going to win, and then there's like the oh, one that we're, should. we're completely overlooking Turning Red, which is also incredible. That's Dude, We there's also a new, uh, what's it, the, the Secret of the Cows. That whole saloon, cartoon saloon, mm-hmm. has another movie mm-hmm. that's just been sitting on Netflix with the dragon one. Mm-hmm. It is such a stacked year for animation, we are spoiled. Which leads me yeah. to a question I have to ask you. You had mentioned Spider-Verse, and you're right. Have we not just become the inverse of the Pixar thing again? Pixar got to a point where their animation was so pristine that anybody trying 2D or anything else was looked down upon. Spider-Verse has happened, right? And there were movies before Spider-Verse, but after Spider-Verse, Mitchell's, uh, there's a couple even more that I'm blanking. I'm sure the chat will help us out. And in Puss in Boots, are we, it's still great animation, but are we not doing the same thing in reverse where we're now omitting anything that doesn't look like (laughs) Spider-Verse? I don't know. Cartoon Saloon sitting there. Sea Beast yeah. isn't getting the love that it that it needed to, and people were critiquing the animation. And I'm like, I feel like we're we're stuck on this comic style, which is great. It is fine, and I love it. Yeah. Well, you know I, what I actually think it is is that for a while we were in this lull where the Pixar movies weren't hitting, the DreamWorks attempts to copy them weren't hitting either, and it felt like most of the movies in that style weren't worthy of attention the same way that your cartoon saloon movies that you were that like your uh studio ghibli movies that would come in uh would deserve that attention i feel like we've been getting a lot of really quality well-told films that are also kind of big scale animated movies so it's just like there's only so much attention to go around true I guess. I don't know. Uh, let's not forget let's not forget Marmaduke uh, to round up the best movies of animation in the year. But there is one more to wrap up the theaters that we have yeah. here. Another um, movie that was shortlisted by the Academy for its uh, best animated feature selections. I believe it comes from France, right? It is titled yeah. Little Nicholas uh, based off of a series that has Le Petit Nicolas. It's got a bunch of movies. I believe there's a bunch of books. But what they do here is that they go the route of kind of following the artist who created Little Nicholas while Little yeah. Nicholas is also there. And it's adorable. What do you think about it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's really sweet. It's a really interesting idea to simultaneously make a film about this cartoon character while also using that art style to tell the story of its creation. And it, it's yep. simultaneously like a kid's film about a, a little kid and a ode to the the artists and a, a really beautiful kind of ode as well. Uh, you know, it's an interesting sort of mix because while it is kind of focused on these really like simple charms, these, these very like ordinary moments in life uh, from, you know, going to school and playing in the sand and having the neighbor's kid come over and stuff like that. Uh, it, it also has these like deeper ideas in there of 
you know, that that era in France, because it ta- the cartoon and film takes place in 1955, the background of the creators, including a unexpected uh, tangent into Nazi Germany that I was just not... Ex- not expecting to happen an hour into this yeah right um but like it's it's a really beautifully done film um i'm really while i don't know if i responded as much to like the actual scenes of the film there i think there's sort of like a a sleepy kind of quality to some of it um yeah it's the art that really really took me away like it has this very kind of sketchbook style where there's almost always a white border around everything because it hasn't been fully filled in like the artist hasn't finished drawing it yet uh they'll do these splotches of like watercolor that are beautiful to me the highlight of this film is this one transition from day to night that is one of the most beautiful things i've seen in an animated movie this year um it's stuff like that that really that really captured my attention in the petit nicolas but what about you what were the things that you really thought were the highlights of the film uh, I like the creativity that they had with it. I was listening to a couple of interviews that I was able to because they were, you know, they're all speaking in French. So if anyone knows French, knows French and wants to translate those interviews, please let me know. Because uh, right. they were talking about the creative process being a mix of when they were in that creative world and when they were kind of doing like a New Yorker palette. Uh, so just that uh, in and out of the, the them being in their creative process and then when they were trying to be more professional. That was really interesting. But I would highly recommend this one for the art. Uh, the animation, I believe it's playing limited in some theaters right now, obviously, as it's qualifying for the Oscars, uh, but it should have a virtual release hopefully later. So if you're yeah. interested in it, know that this is another shortlisted film uh, and it's worth it for the animation. Little Nicolas. You've been saying it in French, so you can say it better than I do. <laughs> I, I don't know French. I just like pretending I do. And they say Le Petit Nicolas enough that I, I can pretend oui, I know oui. French. <laughs> Uh, but wrapping it well there done. with Little Nicholas and all the ones that are out in theaters, we also have our streaming premieres, a bunch of movies yeah. that are out in theaters that I know a lot of people are watching. Uh, definitely many went back to rewatch The Menu, which is out on HBO Max now. A lot of people were able to rewatch a lot of the lines, especially Hong Chao saying tortilla. Um, I don't know if you were able to rewatch this one, but I wanted to put it on people's radar now that people have a chance to catch it. Yeah, I as didn't rewatch well it as since it's hit HBO Max. I, I saw it twice in theaters, so uh, it's oh, plenty. You've and seen we enough. We also had our yeah. Uh, we also had our uh, ending explained after credits. Mm-hmm. A whole thing. I, I know a bunch of people have been checking that out since the film hit HBO Max. Nice. So if you want more thoughts from either of us, uh, you can check out that video too. Right over there. We had also covered a movie out of Chicago, The Kings of the World. This one is and I. I Lincoln. I want to say it's Columbia. Here I am trying to play the movie. Uh, Kings of the World uh, is a movie that is shortlisted for the international competition. And I was surprised to see that it was going to get a Netflix release because this is a movie where the best thing that it has going for it is its cinematography. It has some... Hmm jaw-dropping stuff uh hopefully you know have a really good tv at home uh as you catch this movie by Laura Mora who is doing uh I don't know if it's gonna be on here because it's a series she's doing the uh 100 years of solitude for Netflix as well so she is a big director coming out of South America and this is a story of uh, a couple of boys who are trying to make it cross country in order to be able to use the deed that the mom left behind for this plot of land that's the whole story and it's the boy's journey and all of the perils along the way but in my mind, uh, 
it has some of the best cinematography of the year, and it even won production design out of Chicago. So putting that on people's radar, as well as Alcaraz. Zach, I've had Movie Go for about two months, and I still haven't used it. <laughs> and I still won't because I caught this in Chicago as well. But this is the Movie Go uh, movie of the week, and I think they actually timed it so that both everyone, everyone in New York and LA and Chicago are watching this one. This is... Spain. <sighs> Spain, thank you, submission. So a lot of submissions are finally getting out there in January for people to catch uh, in terms of their shortlist. So I wasn't... This is a great movie. It's good. There was mm. another movie dealing with families picking stuff uh, that I liked a lot more. That's Under the Fig Trees. So I'm going to use Alcaraz as a spot to promote Under the Fig Trees. But this one is out and limited in most of the big cities out there. So if you're interested yeah. in another Oscar pick, you got that right there. But moving on to the actual streaming stuff that we have. You have some picks, Zach? No, I was just going to mention that Under the Fig Tree is uh, Tunisia's selection. You're mentioning a lot of the movies that are international submissions to the Oscars that did not get shortlisted right now. Wait, they're not shortlisted? Nah, nah. They didn't make the 15. My bad. Here I am just loving movies. I apologize. They don't matter Too anymore. Too much love to give. <laughs> Canceled. They're gone. All right. Uh, moving on to the new stuff that we have. I apologize, Zach. I made Zach watch this movie called Bromid because I thought it was like a Fox movie that was going straight to Hulu. And this was a movie that should have gone straight to the trash. <laughs> Bromids. Yeah. Two longtime yeah. friends realized that um, they probably shouldn't be together. But when Big Head over here loses his girlfriend because she moves next door with Flula, um, his boys decide, yeah, let's uh, let's try to get you out there. And... Uh, yeah, I hope they didn't take him to go see Bromates because that would have made him really bad Bromates. Why is he still Big Head? Like, I don't refer to <laughs> Thomas Middleditch or Kumail Nanjiani or Martin Starr by their Silicon Valley names, but this dude is always going to be Big Head, isn't big he? Big Head. <laughs> right? It's, it's, I don't, it's just sort of perfect. He's not going to be Mythic Quest. It's Big Head. He's got a big head. I don't know what yeah. to tell you, man. Thomas is yeah. the rising guy to me, but did, did this have any redeeming merit with it streaming on Hulu? Is there any reason Look, to catch this? In a comedy like this that's going for like big, broad, obvious laughs and throwing j- as many jokes at the wall as they can think of, like they're going to hit you occasionally. You Bye. know, like... Yeah, it might it might be like they they threw it blindfolded and it just went across the plate or whatever. But like maybe there's like a <laughs> one in fifty hit rate. But like there, you might chuckle a little. Um, honestly, I, my bigger takeaway from it was honestly a bit of like embarrassment. Like it's one of those movies where you are you, there's this visceral cringe at imagining what it must have felt like to have to act out some of these moments and and to sell the comedy in this. So good on Big Head and Lil Rel Howery for at least like trying and, and eking out like three or four laughs from me. But I don't know, man. It's, it's the kind of movie where a bunch of kids start chanting pedo at Big Head because he yes! offers them ice cream. And it's like, if that joke hasn't been done a hundred times before, it's because it's been done a thousand. You know, it, it's exactly. just... You're not getting a lot of originality from Bromates. And to think it's the writer of old school. <laughs> yeah. Bromates on Hulu. Feel free to leave it there. Another one, Zach, that did come out on Netflix. It had a little bit of a theatrical run. The Pale Blue Eye. 
I had requested this one uh, and they had delayed it a little bit by the time we got it. Damn. <laughs> I go on Letterboxd to see if everybody else had the same opinion. Yeah, even the people who got it earlier than us. <laughs> That's why they gave. They, that's why they ended up giving it to us because nobody was finishing this movie. Zach, mm-hmm. this is a film where half of the people I follow on Letterbox were logging it as an hour in, bro. Uh, <laughs> I have never gotten a push notification from Netflix. It literally hit me with a like ESPN. Doo doo doo. Are you still watching? No. So I asked you, Zach, did you finish yeah. the Pale Blue Eye? I did. I I, I somehow it. got to the end of this. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's a, it's a fairly, it's a fairly typical in some ways, uh, period detective piece. You know, the, it's a uh, Christian Bale is a guy in a mi- military academy in 1830, and there are a series of mysterious murders around the camp that he's Ooh. looking into, and uh, in order to be assisted in his investigation he calls on none other than a, a young Edgar Allan Poe what surprising to have Edgar Allan Poe as just like a character in this movie even more surprising that he's just kind of a silly goose he's he, a, a bit of a silly dude played by uh Harry Melling of the Queen's Gambit and Harry Potter fame uh yeah. I, I like their performances I like Christian Bale but I think What's interesting to me about the movie is maybe the first two-thirds of it feel very standard, don't feel very stylish, don't feel very out there. It's kind of uh, feels like a very uh, down-to-earth telling of a period uh, crime story. And then the last third of the movie, there's like twist after twist after Satanist oh. conspiracy after secret daughter after the, all, all sorts of stuff happening. And it, and it like, it just becomes, it goes from this movie where it felt like there was not much happening to everything happening. And, okay. I, and yeah, it's a little bit of, I got a little bit of a whiplash by that point. I mean, it's like competently made, but it's not particularly uh, interesting. I felt like mm. Scott Cooper is a, a director who I feel like I have mixed results with. I I feel like there are some people who think his movies are really fascinating and deep and have a lot uh, buried underneath the surface of them, but I've never really found them accessible. There's something that's a, a little impenetrable about his mm. stories of like tough men and their, yeah. their gritty, tough issues. Uh, I don't know. Do you have any favorite Scott Cooper movies? Or are you also a bit mixed on his output? Cause he's I, yeah, done I, a lot of notable films. Yeah. Out of the furnace, hostiles, crazy heart. I know was even able to get some, uh, awards recognition. He, he always Probably releases my favorite. His movies right before Sundance as well. Uh, surprisingly, hmm. I don't know why out of the furnace. It's so grimy. Yeah. I felt he got the, the world of how disgusting that, that like Milltown was. I right. didn't want to be in it, but I, I don't know. I kind of had to give it to him. Um, yeah, I, I'd probably pick that one. So you're saying I should finish Pale Blue Eye? I don't know if you should finish it, but like it, it, it will definitely get more interesting. It will. You won't fall asleep during the back half of it. All right. I love how that's the review. Should you watch it? No. Should you finish it? Pale Blue Eye out <laughs> on Netflix. Uh, one of the last releases of the year as it premiered uh, on the platform. AMC Plus. Is a thing. They have a new yeah. movie that they're they're claiming. Netflix said a movie a day throughout all 2022. They delivered. 
AMC Plus has a movie every Friday, and uh, this is an old one. But it now has a streaming release. Vesper was a movie that I had on my radar because I thought it had a really beautiful poster. I'm a big sci-fi thriller guy. And it seemed like a very interesting kind of story and where it's, like, obviously a post-apocalyptic future. And you got this kid named Vesper who, with his little, like, Wilson robot, is just trying to survive all the, all the you know, terrain. And it, it, it's it's fine. I think it's a movie that uh, visually and uh, especially with the sound is able to get you invested into the story, into the world. I can't say that the performance is like immediately wow you or that the story is going to envelop you in any other way. But it's a very beautiful looking movie. It's what I expected from the trailer. It did not surprise me in terms of story, but it's on AMC Plus and I thought they were able to stream it pretty well. Uh, I don't know if you had the chance to catch this one, Zach. No, I haven't, but it's it's on my radar. I've been told it's really good. It's from a few yeah. people at this point. So, um, Yeah, I would recommend it visually. So if you yeah. have AMC Plus, uh, it's streaming in 4K there and I think it's a really beautiful movie to look at. It's a decent story. Yeah. It's just visually is where it really stands out. So Vesper mm. out on AMC Plus to wrap that up. Cool. Moving on to the television side of things. Ginny and Georgia did come out. Uh, not making this a segment, just putting that season two out there because <laughs> Zach and I both had to stick where we went on it, trying to give it the time of day. And we just did not have mellow drama time. <laughs> yeah. So Ginny just Georgia a little season bit two, too much, too, too, too much, much melodramatic energy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> not even the morning, the beginning of the year. So yeah. uh, instead we decided to watch, I don't know in what order, Maybe forwards, maybe backwards, maybe down the middle. Kaleidoscope, the new series of Netflix that Zach had some thoughts on. <laughs> well, I mean, tell people the specific adver- way. It, it's advertised as a show that you can watch in any order, which is cool because, at least from my experience of it, you can watch it in any order and it's bad either way. Like any way that you want to order the episodes, it just does not work. And. And I oh, don't damn. know. Like, I think I think this is the kind of idea that I would have found really cool a while ago when I maybe knew a little bit less about the medium. And now that I now that I have a different understanding of it, I feel like I I, I understand the reason that you structure things a certain way so that audiences, yes. uh, you know, have rising tension and then falling tension and that you get introduced to characters and then subverting those characters. And their solution to all of that is to kind of simplify everything so that no matter what point you enter in, you won't be too confused, but you also won't be too interested because it's just a little bland. Like the heist yeah. isn't that cool. The characters don't have unique backstories. The, their dynamics feel like ripped off of other things. It's just like a very... The the only real interesting thing here is the construction, and the construction doesn't work. Sadly. Uh, the way that they were pitching this was they realized that with the binge model, it doesn't really matter where you begin or end, and then they just ran with it. I was like, that's all y'all had going? It's like they <laughs> yeah. saw the numbers Money Heist did, and then when how can we make the most bland version of that? I agree with yeah. Zach. During the Quibi days, uh, they were telling every single person, bring your movies in and then chopped them up at every 10-minute point, and they forced these rising tensions. Zach's 100% right. If you don't have something that you're leading to, it's because they're too lazy to actually build a narrative. Mm-hmm. The heist, all that, all the whole storyline, is it's like bare minimum. It's fine. It's not yeah. the worst thing in the world, but it becomes so bland because there's no, uh, there's not really a cohesive way to watch the series. It's like they mm-hmm. know that people give up on a lot of these shows halfway through. So they're like, well, 
what if you don't know when you're halfway through? <laughs> it's so goofy. And yeah. uh, the other elements to it, because they're all named after colors, right? So the production mm-hmm. people were like, right, so everything's violet then. And I'm like, oh my goodness, is that all we're going to do? Everything's <sighs> right. green now. And it's like elements that don't even need to. And then you'll cut to another episode and then they just lose that consistency because now it has to be the color of whatever the episode is. I like yeah. it if you like color theory, but there's not really any theory to it. They just kind of yeah. throw things at the wall. Um, hey, it, it's fine for what it is. The performances aren't too crazy. Bro, it took me a second to realize that was the boy Jai. I was yeah. looking at him for a little bit. I was like, damn, Jai. He, menacing in here. I'm glad he's still getting rolled, yeah. but it took me a second to register it was him. Uh, Giancarlo's good. He's innocent, I guess, but he he he's put himself in a pickle. I feel John Carlo from Far Cry voices to the boys. Mm-hmm. Ah, I, I want to see him do something different. I I feel like yeah. they pegged him down. I mean, it's it's the unfortunate thing that his role as Gus Fring is so iconic that he's been asked to kind of like sand off the edges of it for all sorts of different productions and whether that is like popping up in Star Wars popping up in the boys being in this it does sort of feel like we're getting the same Giancarlo performance maybe different like different sides to it but like yeah over and over and over again especially (sighs) because like they literally brought back Gus Fring on Better Call Saul like he's still doing that character up until late last year uh I I think he's a really talented actor, but I need to see him try something different. Agreed. Uh, I like how they put it in the chat. This sounds like the best idea from 2007. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sadly. But, hey, it's out there if you were interested in it. Uh, Kaleidoscope was probably the biggest release of the week because before we get into the picks of the week, we got the real shows that are coming out in January. But before <laughs> we do that, Zach, give a shout out to the inner cuties. Yes, uh, we got to shout out the Intercuties, the wonderful patrons who support the show. They are Ewan, Rone, Julieta, Tim, Elizabeth, Josh, Ashley, Brady, Sean, Michael, Matt, Mr. Kobayashi, Nick, LaShawn, and Devesh. Then our Academy-level members are Tushar, Cademan, Connor, Pete, Marion, May, Ricky, Joe and Genesea, and of course, the biggest thanks goes to our producer level patrons. They are Awkward and Udenvir and Sam. Thanks to all of them. Thanks to all of you for your support and a reminder that you too can become a member over at patreon.com slash intercut pod, where you can sign up for patron benefits like early access to our intercut episode outlines, access to our private intercut channel discords in, uh, in the discord access to some episodes early. We put up our best movies of the year early for patrons and you get an invitation to our monthly patron Google meetings, the next one of which is going to be happening when we're at the Sundance, at Sundance. Film Festival. Ooh. Hey, it's exciting. Show them. Show them bro. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It I just got came the, in. I got the Fresh. Sundance sweatshirt. There you go. Do a little Brand spin. new. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, do I got a model? It's got the writing on the sleeve. Dude, the, yeah. the new merch is very clean. I picked it's up comfy. a bunch of it. It's beautiful. Yeah. And y'all were you matching, too. Caitlin's got one, too. Come on, Caitlin. <laughs> yeah, you got to do the double up. 
No worries. Uh, oh, she gonna come in? Yeah. Do it, do it, do it, do no, it. No, no, she's not. She's not. All right, we'll have it for <laughs> the, the Sunday patrons. Yeah. Uh, but we exactly. are gonna be doing that Exclusive. because on the, on the final days we'll have some time, and I I kind of want to do it where we just live stream in the car as we drive around, give <laughs> the inner cutie patrons yeah. like a virtual walkthrough through Sundance. So that's gonna be an awesome you patron know, hangout. We were talking about going to the Sundance Resort. We should bring the inner cuties with us. <laughs> nah, bro. For forty five minutes just driving, we're gonna lose signal. <laughs> But we will have a bunch of uh, a bunch of clips that we're going to be doing from there. We're still going to be doing live streams out of Sundance. We're going to be doing obviously our best of as we always do. Uh, a reminder for those of you who are looking forward to it: member tickets went on sale today. There's going to be more on sale yes. later. We are going to put on our top ten. We have our preview list, but we want to put a list together for our top ten picks right before the festival starts. And obviously, we're going to be providing coverage all throughout that. Yeah, so the public tickets go on sale two days from now on the 12th. Mm -hmm. So if you are trying to get some of those virtual tickets, maybe put that in your calendar, set a reminder, and yeah, we'll we'll be discussing the best of Sundance very soon. It's going to be dope, dude. So let's yeah. talk about the picks for the week. Before we get there, I see that I missed two. Uh, one is the 80th Golden Globes. They missed themselves last year, but that's going to be tomorrow. <laughs> and really what Zach and I are looking forward to is this man right here, dude. They know exactly how to bait us. These damn Golden Globes know exactly everything that they did wrong. And they're like, I guess we should just do the opposite. Yeah, y'all should have done that years ago. Uh, we will be there just venting about this next week, um, seeing yeah. how that turns out. But, hey, I'm rooting for Gerard. He's he's the best. Yeah. That'll be streaming tomorrow. Oh, And he's the kind of guy who could potentially find Roast an interesting – path to walk where he yeah is holding them accountable while also taking their money we'll see how it turns out you know we're this is what we do we talk about the entertainment industry and and if everybody's gonna be showing up except for brendan fraser then we we might tune might have to tune into you know yep brendan's right though uh, after that, yeah. Zach told me yo did you catch a new nicholas winden reference i'm like what nicholas winden reference i'm over <laughs> here the, the new nwr <laughs> How was I to know? This man has a whole mini series on Netflix called Copenhagen Cowboy. I haven't yeah. seen it, so this isn't even like a pick for the week. It's just a mist for the week. Is what I got. I don't. I don't know if anyone's caught this, but if anyone has, let us know if it's any better than that Prime show he had last year. After that one, I'm kind of burnt out a little, oh. little bit. But Copenhagen <laughs> Cowboy out on Netflix, a whole series there. But let's get into yeah, our so maybe real we'll talk picks about it for next the week. week. Yeah, break it down, Zach. Uh, my first pick for the week is one of the ones we talked about earlier, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. Woo! It's it's delightful. It's fun. It's something you can watch with the whole family in the theater or, as Art mentioned, it is available on premium video on demand. You got to pony up 25, which not, not 30. a whole lot when you're comparing it to 30. going to the movie theater. Is it 30? I think it's 25 on Apple, bro. Bro, I bought it off Apple. 30. It was 25 and they oh. raised it five bucks in the middle of the weekend. What? Yes. Greedy. Greedy. Well, it's still <laughs> less than going to a movie theater, although you might like that big screen experience. Get yourself a bucket of popcorn. However you want to do it, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish is delightful. Uh, over on Peacock, I got two picks because Paul Goldman, oh. Paul T. Goldman, still continuing on with his interesting life story uh getting the director more and more involved i, I just love all the meta qualities of the show and how uh it, how much you feel like you see him the show how much the show is about where the truth and the truth according to paul kind of collides it's really really funny so you He's can watch sick. that in 
in preparation for uh, this weekend's release, which is sick, coming to Peacock on oh, January thirteenth. I yeah, mean, I got that Goodman too. Was sick. That last Paul episode is for Paul a sick Goodman, individual. No, oh, I man. thought the first three we covered were bad. He hit the threshold, <laughs> and then somehow <laughs> I, crossed it in the last one. I have a feeling we're going further in the last two. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. All right, talk about sick. The less sick movie. Yeah. <laughs> so sick was one of my favorite films out of the Toronto International Film Festival. Just a really solid. Uh, Low, like a, a stripped down slasher flick that comes mm-hmm. from Kevin Williamson, the man who wrote the original Scream. So it's got yep. that horror legacy to it. I think it's really well done. I really love the visceral cinematography in this one that has these really quick pans for the action. I was hoping this would get like a kind of cool later in the year horror release. Yeah. They're just dumping this one on Peacock on wow. Friday, which... I mean, cool for Peacock fans, but yeah, I think it's a missed opportunity with a pretty cool movie. Definitely. Especially because a lot of the jokes in here, it being like a COVID movie that they're isolating uh, in, it it really does hit well with the crowd. Uh, There's some early jokes with some sneezes that I think you need need an audience for that. But yeah, I'm going to double this one up too. I'm glad it's available though. Yeah. I'm just glad to get another chance to catch it soon. Uh, Another movie that I'm glad I'm just getting a chance to catch, you know, not... Sometimes these short films are a little hard to find. You you have to wait until years down the line for them to be available. Not Ice Merchants, the new short film from Zhao Gonzalez, friend of the pod, Zhao Gonzalez. He's a, we're mutuals on Instagram now. So shout shout out to him. Hopefully he's going to be an Oscar nominee soon because the Ice Merchants is a gorgeous shortlisted animated short film uh yeah i mean art shouted out as one of his favorites out of chicago and for good reason because this movie's like about 10 minutes long and it left caitlin and i just in a puddle of tears the other day <laughs> like it, it's it is it is so beautiful and it's one of those stories that's not just like a beautiful story but it's also told really beautifully the animation style is this very uh very artistic very unique uh I don't know, very, very like stylish type type of Mm -hmm. uh, art. And I just, I love it. I love the colors of it. I love the messages of it. And that ending really, really hits (sighs) worth it. And it's only a couple minutes long. That's it. And it's available on the New Yorker website. We'll try to link it down below. That is the best possible thing to happen. I, I like just the fact that they have so many shorts available there, but to have what I consider the literal freaking best short of the year. Oh, yeah. Man, we're living in some great times. Ice merchants. Highly, you know what? That's my pick of the week. <laughs> That's my pick there of the week go. so far. There for sure. But you still got one more. Yeah. Uh, my last one here is one that I actually haven't seen yet. I'm going to give a shout out to Devotion, which is now available on Paramount, plus the other Flyboys movie from last yeah. year with Glenn with Powell, Glenn also Powell. starring Jonathan Majors. Uh, yes, you sir. told me this one was pretty good, and uh, it's, I just didn't have the chance solid. to catch it in theaters. So yeah, it seems like a an easy watch over on Paramount Plus, not an uncomplicated weekend watch. Damn. So I'll put this one on the list as well. Bro, they really got it over there with Top Gun on the same platform. Damn, I mean, <laughs> you can 
watch them one right after the other. It's probably Dude, great. Don't do that. Don't do that. Hey, look, I'm glad that it's streaming because the worst yeah. thing that this movie had going for it was the fact that Top Gun was out. I think it's yeah. an okay movie. It's not going to blow anyone's mind out, but I think with it streaming, hopefully uh, you're able to enjoy it for what it is as a biopic. And uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Jonathan Major's year. It is Jonathan Major's year, bro. Uh, moving on to my picks over here, saying Omer finally getting that release. I feel like I've been pushing yeah. this every single week. And I'm probably doing it. St. Omer is one of the best movies of the year. It is a patient movie. I said it is a patient movie, but it is worth it. I'm telling mm-hmm. you uh, the story that is kind of based off of a true story of this woman who reportedly, allegedly, supposedly may have drowned a child. And the report of the journalist who's going through her own personal history, kind of uh, relating and observing this um court case it it's a really good movie uh, i hope people get the chance to catch it it might come to movie because i feel like they sent us a link through movie or was it just straight neon it might get a digital release soon because the moment they're giving us neon, links, yeah it's yeah it's about a month before it uh it appears somewhere so put that one on your radar as a nice festival pick mars one finally came out and damn Marte did it come un. out in a crazy time considering this is Bra- brazil submission and there is an underlying yeah. theme dealing with that that i feel a lot of I guess American viewers missed. Um, but more than that, there's a lot of negative reviews on Flickster. It's positive here on Letterboxd. It's positive over here on IMDb. But bro, there are some Brazilians who spammed it on uh, on Flickster. And that's when you yeah. know it's hitting some buttons. It's actually a very simple mm-hmm. tale. Zach and uh, um, the crew were able to catch it at Sundance. I, I missed it. It is now on Netflix for everyone to watch. The story of a family where uh, the little kid wants to be you know, an astronaut. But his dad's like, no, you have to be a soccer player. And it's it's a very simple story that I think really packs a punch when all this miscommunication yeah. happens within the family and how that's even more indicative of what's happening in the country during that time. I recommend it. Uh, I don't know if you've had the chance to rewatch it, but it's solid. Not dude. since it popped up on Netflix, but yeah, I, I liked it a lot coming out of um, coming out of Sundance last year. And it is one of those films that's a little bit hard to sell just because it is so much like about the the lived-in feel of it. But like you said, I feel like it's something that, as much as I felt like it resonated last year, it might even resonate more now. This get shortlisted? Or is it just, just submission? Uh, it just got it submission. Uh, it did not wow. get shortlisted. Yeah. Well, it's out on Netflix. Uh, give it a watch if you're interested in it. Along with, we had just had this last week. We said, if you can find it in a theater, go. Zach, you can now purchase Broker at Home. Broker is at home and available for you to watch with whatever babies you've picked up from a box. And I think you would love it. Kariata's also got a Netflix series on the horizon. I'm really excited for that as well. Um, But probably not as excited. So I am for The Last of Us. This is my most anticipated TV thing of the year, bar none. And it's coming at the Mm -hmm. beginning. I already yeah. purchased the remastered thing, and I'm playing it with Alina for the first time. We are going through every nook and cranny. Bro, that nice. remaster, I know it was 2013 when I played it, and then they had the other one in 2014, but The Last of Us Part 1 for the PS5 looks Oof. unreal. It's a, yeah, it's a new game. It's a brand new game, and yeah, people already have The Last of Us, and they have said that it delivers on every aspect possible. I am so excited I think, for this. 
I think that every bit of news we've been getting about the show, show seems like they're doing everything in their power to kind of have it live up to the immensely high expectations Easily. that people already have for it. And I'm I'm ready for it to blow me away this weekend. Yeah, I am as well. Uh, but then if you need something a little nicer, Mythic Quest, the season three finale just wrapped. Uh, I thought it was a beautiful culmination. Uh, yeah. Stuff that has repeated in the past, but they were able to do something different with it. And it has me very excited for where they're going to take season four. This has been Zach and I's like, go-to show. He put it on my radar when he said, hey, they're getting on up there with HBO. And this has mm-hmm. been one of their most consistent shows. Uh, all three seasons are worth it if you haven't caught up on it. Uh, really great show. Over on Apple TV. So, rewinding my picks for the week, Mythic Quest with all three seasons on Apple. The Last of Us. Please, please, if a PR person is watching, uh, we love Naughty Dog. We love HBO. (laughs) Send us all The Last of Us. Uh, Broker, that is now available on VOD. Mars One, that's available on Netflix. St. Omer, that is getting a limited release. What about you, Zach? Uh, I had Devotion, now that it's available on Paramount+, Plus, The Ice Merchants, which you can Woo! catch over on The New Yorker. Shout out again to Zhao Gonzalez with that one. Uh, Sick, which drops on Peacock Friday the 13th, probably the best horror movie that you can catch Friday the 13th. And then uh, also <laughs> stay wow. on Peacock to watch Paul T. Goldman this year's early contender for the Nathan Fielder cringe award or or whatever you want to call it. It's so funny. Uh, And lastly, Puss in Boots, the last wish. It's fun. It's delightful. It's cute. It's a good time at the movies, regardless of your age. So those are the intercut picks for this week and where y'all can catch them, at least in the U S beautiful. Well, that's all for this week's show. Zach, where can people find more from you? You can find more from me on Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, whatever you have you, at Zshevich, that's Z-S-H-E-V-I-C-H, and you can check out my YouTube or TikTok channels, at Multiplex Show. Beautiful. You can catch every episode of the Intercut Podcast here every week. You can catch it on iTunes, Anchor, Spotify, your favorite podcatcher. I always tell Zach, I got the files. You can catch every live <laughs> video on YouTube.com where we go through all of the weekend must-watch every Monday. It's Tuesday. We had to move some things around, but we got you every week. Big shout-out to all the Intercuters who listen live, to all of the patrons. Around. yeah, uh, And all of the <laughs> iTunes listeners who are giving us that five-star, beautiful five-star review. A- it helps us. We have been getting a lot of Sundance screeners because we can send a YouTube link. They'll be like, ah, mm-hmm. you send an Apple or a Spotify link and they think you're like on that next level. So we appreciate all the intercuties <laughs> leaving us those five-star reviews. Don't forget to leave us a yeah. comment. Drop a like. Follow the socials over on Intercut Pod. And until next time, keep watching movies or Megan's going to come get you.